Hey there, welcome to the very, very first episode of Coffin Cast. My name is Kristen. So, hey, what's up? Welcome. Uh, just kind of a disclaimer I'm very clearly not a professional. This is the first time I'm really doing this. I'm gonna mess up. I'm gonna run out of breath. I'm gonna take awkward breaths at awkward moments. I don't know how to pace myself. I can't pronounce words like asphyxiation without thinking about it. You'll find that out in this episode. Um, Also, this subject matter is not happy stuff. It's disturbing a little bit. It can get kind of gruesome. This particular one I don't think is too bad, but I'm doing a podcast on death. So, I'm not... I'm not, I'm not a good person to compare it to. But if you get easily offended, you might want to find a different podcast. So now that that's out of the way, this particular episode is going to focus on a mall. Specifically, the mall that is the Starcourt Mall in Stranger, Stra- Stra- Stranger Things. See? There we go. I already messed up. Let's get that out of the way. Stranger Things, the third season. It centers around the Starcourt Mall. Hawkins is a small town. It's a big deal that they're getting a mall. And it's a pretty awesome mall. Very 80s. Very much what I remember as a kid. Now, the actual mall itself is the Gwinnett Place Mall in Duluth, Georgia. I found this out by going on Facebook. Well, I was just on Facebook wasting time as one does and I found this mental floss article that said oh here's where the it wasn't in this verbiage of course this is where the actual mall is this is where Starcourt Mall is I thought I had been there so I got super excited I was like oh that's awesome I've been to that mall no I've not been to that mall it was a different mall that I went to when I was in that area so bummer but whatever I've found myself somehow in the comments section. I'm not sure how I got there or why I was even looking, but I was. Um, Most of the comments run the gamut of, oh, this mall's so dead. It's empty now. There's no stores there. Oh, they still have a Sears. They still have a Macy's. The area is really dangerous now. Nobody goes to that mall. One of the comments was, that mall is so empty. There was a body there for two weeks and nobody noticed. Lol. Not really kind of a laugh out loud thing, but it definitely piqued my interest. So I jumped on Google and typed in Gwinnett Place Mall body two weeks. And that brings me and brings you to the story of Silling Man. In beginning to research Silling Man's life, I wasn't able to find basic information such as her birth date, what her family makeup was, where she was born, but I was able to find a GoFundMe that was set up for her funeral expenses, 
And there's a very sweet message from her brother to the people that were donating. Kind of paints a picture of who she was. And it's very sweet, very sad. Um, but I'd like to read that to you now just to give you a picture of who she was. Dear family and friends, a few weeks ago we lost my beautiful younger sister at only 19 years of age to a tragic incident. Our family is incredibly shocked and truly devastated at the sudden loss of such an amazing individual. Siling was charismatic, humble, kind, and generous to all of those around her and will be extremely missed by her countless friends and family. My sister and I always said that our main goals in life were to both be the best versions of ourselves. During her lifetime, Silling did just that. My sister was an honor student, a Zell Miller recipient, and was hoping one day to be an RN. She has been described by her friends as a bright young lady who was funny, smart, selfless, and friendly. Thank you, Savandi R. Mann. So that was from her brother. It's very sweet, very kind of melancholy. But it paints a picture of who this girl was. She was very bright and had a very bright future ahead of her. She was a 19-year-old student at Georgia State University, presumably studying to become that RN that she wanted to be, which makes this whole story, the whole thing that happened to her, not only sad, but very, very strange. So, starting in October of 2017, um, she was living in her uncle's home. She had had a few disappearances, but she would return. I don't know the exact dates. There was an, a disappearance on October 8th that they mentioned where her uncle filed a missing persons report, but she returned and there was nothing done about it. The police didn't do anything about it. And again, she's 19 years old. She's allowed to leave on her own volition. So the last time she disappeared was October 10th of 2017. Um, again, left her uncle's home, but this time presumably it was to be with her boyfriend of a few months, Emmett Davis, who was 21. Her family had met him. You know, there was no concern for her well-being as far as I was able to discern from the news, things that I read. Um, but they ended up, the two of them ended up in various hotels around the area of Gwinnett Place Mall. Um, at one of them, a manager there noticed that Celine's eyes were very bruised, very swollen. She was very withdrawn. Emmett did most of the talking. So the manager called the police. When the police actually showed up, the man refused to talk to them. You know, nothing's wrong, that kind of thing. Which, anybody who knows anything about domestic abuse, that's typically what happens. You know that the trouble's going to be worse if you say anything. So the two of them ended up leaving that hotel. Um, here's where it begins to kind of take a really weird turn. So on November 15th, the two of them go into a tattoo parlor. The plan is to get matching tattoos on their jawlines. I believe the design was three interlocking hearts is what I read. Um, I, I wasn't able to see it on um, Davis because he has a little bit of a beard, so I'm not sure if that's exactly the best way to describe it, but I believe that's what they said in the news articles that I read. Um, one thing that kind of stood out to the tattoo artist also is that they were both wearing matching 
insulated track suits. That's kind of weird. You know, I know there's couples out there that like to match, but it's it seems like a different level of control than she was being subjected to before. So they were going for matching tattoos, wearing matching outfits. The tattoo artist tried to dissuade her from getting that particular tattoo because she didn't have tattoos before that. That's a pretty big deal to get a face tattoo in general and have that to be your first tattoo. That's, that's a lot. So the tattoo artist was trying to talk her out of it. Didn't work. It happened. She got her tattoo. Also, another kind of red flag is when Davis laid down to get his tattoo, a handgun ended up falling out of his pocket um, onto the floor. But, you know, what are you going to call the cops for? There's a gun on the ground. You know, this girl is wearing a matching outfit to her boyfriend, and it seems like he's pushing a tattoo on her. Can't really call the cops on something like that. So, that brings us to November 20th, the last public sighting that's known of man. She went to pick up her last paycheck from the Michael Kors store at Perimeter Mall. The circumstances of why it was her last paycheck are unknown, at least to me. Um, could have gotten fired, could have quit. She could have been forced to quit because it's seeming like there's some control issues going on there. Can only speculate. Don't know for sure. Wasn't there. Um, the co-workers found her to be unrecognizable. Again, with the face tattoo. Her eyes were swollen. She was wearing sunglasses. She looked kind of sickly and gaunt. Um, and another kind of weird thing. She was wearing that matching insulated tracksuit. I promise this will become important later on. So, the manager called the police, but by the time they showed up, man had already left and she was gone. So we're at November 30th. Not a lot of action on that date, but we know, thanks to cell phone records and Uber records, that Davis and Mann were at Gwinnett Place Mall around 3.40 in the morning. There's no speculation on that. Don't know if they got in, if they were just in the area, what have you. But that's, that's a little fishy. Um, so we fast forward to December 21st. Between November 30th and December 21st, holiday season's going on. You'd expect Gwinnett Place Mall to be pretty busy. People coming in and out, buying presents. Kids hanging out who are off school, hanging out at the mall. Um, Gwinnett Place Mall at this point had already started to become kind of a dead mall. There were still anchor stores like a Sears and a Macy's, plus the usual mall stores like Victoria's Secret, Bath and Body Works, Express, that sort of thing. The food court currently is completely empty. Um, no restaurants or anything like that. According to the website, it looks like it's completely gone. But at the time in 2017, it was still a semi-active place. They still had restaurants. A maintenance worker was doing routine, you know, maintenance work. Ended up in a closed Subway sandwich shop. Went to the back and found severely decomposing 
remains, semi-mummified remains. Her hands were mummified. There was blood and hair across two back rooms. The victim's footprints were in the blood, looked like she had been dragged across her blood. The police found that she had several of her ribs broken, also that her right finger was fractured and split and looked as if it had been stomped on repeatedly. The state of decomposition was so bad that the tattoo on her face that could have identified her sooner wasn't even visible. The body was dressed in, ins in an insulated tracksuit, hint, hint, which contrib contributed to the advanced decomposition. The heat from the tracksuit trapped the heat in her against her body and it made it decompose faster. The only clue as to who did it was a bloody handprint on the door frame as if somebody held onto it for leverage. The blood belonged to the victim. Police could not identify the body, so a composite sketch was done in hopes of finding the victim's family. Police initially hesitated to call it a suicide. They did say it was suspicious, but being that they couldn't even identify her, it was hard to say this was a homicide. But that ended when Silling's body was identified. Police were quoted as saying it looked like man's chest had been restricted to the point where she couldn't breathe as if someone sat on her. She died as of asphyxiation. This is one word that's going to trip me up, guys. I'm going to put this out there. Asphyxiation. That's what she died of. Asphyxiation. There we go. So two days after her body was found, Davis had pawned Mann's iPhone and skipped town for Brooklyn to stay with his mother. Mann's family told police about their suspicions of Davis, and Davis's sister even had said that her brother had a history of violence against women. When Davis returned to the area, a month later, in the summer of 2018, police secured a search warrant and an arrest warrant, and he was un indicted on six different accounts. Malice murder, felony murder, Aggravated assault, theft by taking, aggravated battery, and theft by deception. So the latest update I have been able to find about Emmett Davis is that he's still being held without bond in Gwinnett County Jail. No news if he's been to court, if he's been sentenced. I can't find anything on that. So if anybody knows anything about it personally or is able to find anything, please let me know. I would love to know what's going on with that now. So as far as Stranger Things go, yeah, it's kind of a roundabout relationship to what happened. It's unknown if the cast themselves knew or had any idea before or during filming about what happened at the mall. But Finn Wolfhard, who plays Mike, said on Jimmy Fallon, it was a little haunted. Every time we'd be in there, it'd be fun, and then we'd look at each other like, there's something wrong with this mall. So first episode's done. It's not as long as I'd like it to be, but I'm going to work on pacing and things like that. I'd also like to close this by saying if you or anyone you know is dealing with domestic violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. Again, 1-800-799-7233 or visit thehotline.org. So I also want to say, as we draw this to a close, if I got anything wrong, like the pronunciation of asphyxiation or any facts 
or if you know information that I left out, or even if there's just an update, please let me know. Um, I will give you credit for the information on a later episode, give you a shout out. But I want to close again and just say thanks for listening to Coffin Cast with me, Kristen. You can follow me on Twitter at Coffin Cast with a capital C. Also, please subscribe, rate, and share with your friends. Don't forget to join me next week for Coffin Cast Episode 2. The episode is entitled, Ma'am, I'm Still Here. Talk to you soon, and remember, life is a dream walking, but death is going home.